From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue and fully functional bug-free Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are extra modes and unit testing. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. You know, we do these adjectives at the top of the show yes. to describe the city, uh-huh. and they're usually pretty fantastical, uh-huh. but this, the, the ones here might have taken the cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know a lot about these ones. Just w- wishful thinking? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> One day we'll be bug-free and mm-hmm. fully functional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you do this long enough, and you're like, those, that's just like, that's a fantasy. It's not... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's not a goal you reach. It's right. just it's a thing you dream of. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. So, Martha. Yes. Going on a trip. I know. I'm going to the XOXO Festival. Ooh, I do not know what that is. It's <laughs> awesome. It's like an internet festival conference thing. So, okay. they have uh, speakers who are all people who work on internet things, um, like this year, there's a bunch of YouTubers and okay. um, a couple who does game dev on a boat, like a sailboat in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and okay. <laughs> they seem really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also like going to be a mortician who's talking about how she's trying to make like burying people a greener process and is like campaigning on the Internet for that because like she's like, we bury so much like precious metals and things that mm-hmm. we need and also poison and like formaldehyde or whatever. Um, so anyway, so that will be super interesting. Um, and then they also have the festival part, which has uh, like video, there's going to be an arcade. So indie video games will be there. Okay. There's a board game tabletop section. And I think Root from the Twin Cities is going to be there. Leader Games um, is on the list. So that'll be cool. Um, and yeah, last year Lizzo played a, a concert there really? yeah apparently i mean okay. last year last year is the reason i was following the whole thing on twitter last year which is why i wanted to go ah. because like ryan north was there last year and like all these people i know so this year there aren't as many people i know but i'm because i know their past like pedigree of people that they've invited like i'm really excited to find out about all these new people that i haven't heard of because they're going to be probably just as cool yeah so um yes i'm very excited for that uh, also someone who's going to be there is Gretchen McCulloch, who I wanted to plug, uh, her book is coming out soon. She's a internet linguist who I know she's like an acquaintance through in, uh, linguistics conferences that I've been to. And, um, her book is called because internet understanding the new rules of language. And I thought our listeners might be interested in it because it's all about, um, grammar of the internet. Like how do you, what does it mean when you, frame your text like form your texts a certain way or what does it mean when you like why do old people text that way or like why do (laughs) what why are memes so popular uh and how like like when you see one that's wrong like it's not formed correctly why do you know that like what's the difference Mm -hmm. uh and it just sounds really awesome and so if you want to uh, pre-order that that's available for pre-order right now and it will come out in July. Ah, cool. So anyway, I just think it's really cool. So I wanted yeah. to talk about it. That's awesome. When, when is the XOXO? Um, XOXO is in September. Ah, okay, cool. 
So, and then in order to be able to go, it was like a lottery process, right? Yeah. So, oh. uh, it's pretty cool. You, so instead of first comes, first serve, um, you fill out this survey because they wanted the other thing, the reason they wanted it to be kind of uh, curated who gets to go is mm-hmm. because they found that at a lot of these things, companies come to just throw merch at you or like you know like Mm -hmm. try to recruit people and they're like this isn't about recruiting people this is about like learning and you know so you have to fill out a thing to be like yes i'm not a company (laughs) here's what i do (laughs) um and then if you're not a company then they put your name in a lottery and pull out you know the first 400 and then they you get like 48 hours to buy your ticket and Mm -hmm. if you don't then that goes to the next person they draw Mm -hmm. so well, awesome. I hope you have a good time. I know. Like I, I, will, I will report back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Uh, speaking of things that we're going to later, uh, I'm going to E3 in Woo! a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I just now realize it's in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, need, I need to get my things in order. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to have a, an E3 special like immediately afterwards uh, to discuss the happenings of E3, yeah. like my experience, and also uh, you know all of the news that will happen because there will probably be one or two games announced. Wait, hold up. So immediately afterwards, because well, next time I'm just trying to do this in my head now, yeah, okay. live on the air. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> calendar you, you, math. You get calendar back, math. and then we record like the day after, right? Yeah, a couple or days something? after. Something okay, like so that. then we'll try to get that episode out right away. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited yeah. for that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I'm not the one editing that, so I see now what, I, what I've done. Uh, <laughs> oops. Well, you know, sometimes we're timely on events like this, like yeah. we're like GDC, when we do GDC episodes, we try to like get them out as quick as possible so that they're a little more relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll try that again here with the E3 one because yeah. I think everyone wants to hear what you got up to. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to see. I'm really hoping. I'm pretty sure they're going to announce a new character for Smash and I feel like I'm just going to go and <laughs> <laughs> spend four hours in line so I can play a new character in Smash that like I could just wait a week and play later. <laughs> yeah. It'll be worth it. I don't know. How long did they go? Because they announced the first uh, Joker uh, months ago, but only now recently just came out. Yeah, right? Joker came out like a month ago. Oh, okay. uh, but yeah, like Joker was announced like three months before he actually yeah. came out. Um, and it's been they haven't announced any other characters yet. So I what a lot of people are suspecting is that they're going to have like a sneak announcement mm-hmm. at E3 and release it on that day, too. Oh, sure. Which. Now that I think about it, it might be inconvenient because it would be hard for me to download it while I'm there. But oh well, maybe you shouldn't go. Yeah, well, I'll just, just throw away the ticket. No. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to news, any kinds of news, all of the news, because I'll be. There. And it's and we were talking before about how it's like kind of cool having grown up hearing about it, finally getting able to, yeah. for you yeah. to go. It was always a really dream cool. of mine to go to E3. Uh so yeah, I guess I'm fulfilling that. Which <laughs> <laughs> real cool. Yeah. Awesome. So should we start with the topic? Sure. Um, so uh, Martha got any fun transitions for us? Um I was just trying to think just a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, pause the show. <laughs> um so Stephen Walsh, well, she's doing that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you and I could catch up. Yeah. How, how are you doing, Mark? Uh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I know we've been working on Winchester Sash. It's getting, it's getting real close. It's getting real, real close. <laughs> I, I know we say that all the time, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it'll take longer because you have to add an extra mode <laughs> to the game. <laughs> Sweet. 
so that's my topic uh, extra modes alternate modes uh, yeah. in games and this is a pretty broad thing but i kind of want to narrow my thinking of it okay because there's like a lot of games have like bonus features or um they'll have like i, I the thing i i'm thinking of that i that i don't mean mm-hmm. is like in mortal Kombat. there's the like test your might kind of mini game oh sure or like street fighter has one where you beat up a honda accord yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Stuff like that, little excerpts, yeah, yeah, that's the um, little things like that, little bonus mini games or things like that. Like that's not really what I mean. Sure, um, I mean more like um, it's almost like a completely different game as part of the same system. You're talking like a fully fleshed out mode. Yeah, so a lot of times uh, this will take the form of like uh, a single player and a multiplayer mode. That's a pretty common way to do it. Yeah, uh, first person shooters, I think, have gotten really good at being like, or a lot of them anyway. Mm-hmm. They're like they are both. Right, not one or the other, and then there are, of course, there are many, at least now, you know, more than ever, that are just multiplayer. Yeah. Um, but um, I w- there are other games that you wouldn't expect to have that kind of dynamic or that split, and they have these extra modes that seem like totally different games. Yeah. And one that really got me thinking of it is the multiplayer mode from Assassin's Creed. Uh, they don't they don't do it anymore, but for a couple of years they did this like stealth mode. We had a bunch of assassins. Uh, in a in like a little square, and oh. you'd all hide in a bunch of oh, uh, yeah. hay, and then and it was like a really good mode, mm-hmm. but it felt and it used all the same mechanics and tools that the single player mode did. Yeah, but it was an utterly different game. You used mm-hmm. different strategies to play. It was co- completely different, mm-hmm. and not just because it was multiplayer, because of like the feeling of it was very different. And so I wanted to talk about that and like how that um what the, what does that mean for certain games sure um is that a benefit is it sort of like uh, and 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 the origins of these kinds of things and how they sometimes take over like a franchise as it moves forward yeah. or spawn genres or yeah. anything like that yeah that's cool stuff yeah so i mean like do you have any like examples of games that had maybe smaller alternate modes that became the thing you loved about them or uh curvy air ride yeah, uh, the racing game with Kirby in it. Uh, I wanted to play that game so badly. I would pretend to play it in Nintendo Power all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an amazing game, but like well, one mode that like everybody thinks of when they think of Kirby Air Ride, and I guess not a lot of people think of Kirby Air Ride, mm-hmm. um, is City Trial Mode. Yeah, it was uh, so you know Kirby Air Ride is a kart racer, um, so it was kind of like um, Mario Kart and stuff, except you didn't have to press the A button to go; you would just automatically move mm-hmm. and then just steer. Because uh, Sakurai, when he designs things, he designs it so that like for the simple controls, but it's hard to master kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, but what this what this thing did is like you could uh, you uh, everybody was in a city and like you would drive around and like find boxes and blow up the boxes, and then you can get like equipment that would upgrade your your uh, your ship's abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and you would play. I guess you could play for like seven minutes, and then so you would do that, and you would play it. Uh, and, you know, upgrade your ship for another thing. Um, but you didn't know like what at the end there's supposed to be an event where you like compete against one another. So you there's, don't know. A, there's a race at the end. It's not necessarily a race. Sometimes okay. it was like a battle thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was like uh Oh, it, so it's random every time? Yes. So like you were preparing for something and you didn't know what you were preparing for. Oh, it cool. Was, it was like surprisingly um And the prep exciting. wasn't the game play exactly. The, well, that was like for seven minutes, that is what you did, is you just went around and right, gathered right, right. a bunch of things. Um so you could to- you'd be like, well, I think it's going to be the battle mode, and you like trick your your uh, cart out with like like projectiles and like defense well, stuff, yeah, yeah, and more then, attack and, and stuff, yeah, yeah, and then it turns out to be a race, and you're like real slow. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. Um, and I mean, like the mini games were the the mini games at the end were really short; they only lasted like like a lap of a race or something like okay. that. So like it didn't feel like you were wasting your time during that time 
picking up all the stuff. Yeah. And like random events would happen during the city trial too. Um, like uh, sometimes the character would come in and steal your stuff and you had to go and get it back and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but it was just really cool because it felt like a whole new fleshed out idea and it just hasn't been seen in any other game at all. Um, I think Sakurai tried to put it in a Smash Brothers. Tried to put it in uh, Super Smash Brothers for 3DS. Like it was Smash Run or something. Mm-hmm. And it was fun, but it didn't feel the same. Yeah. Um, and I I want that back. <laughs> but that's, that's the kind of thing that I was thinking of. Like when I think of Kirby Air Ride, I think of City Trial. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like, um, uh, speaking of kart racers, like, you know, Mario Kart has battle mode. Oh, right. Yeah. And, um, and that was... I. It, think kind of it was in the original mario kart mm-hmm. and it was sort of a new idea then yeah and it's always been my favorite mode in mario kart and mario kart 8 for wii u when it yeah. first came out didn't right. have a battle mode Not a real or, or it did but you played it while racing on the track and yeah. who needs that noise yeah um and i remember when that happened thinking like that makes no sense because mario kart is battle mode to me <laughs> that's what makes it different from a racing game yeah like any other racing game but like i just looked at it differently from what apparently most people did because well a lot of people lamented its its loss mm-hmm. um for the wii u it sold very well and of course uh, they did add the battle mode back for the switch version yeah thankfully with many variants and, and so forth but I remember thinking like what a crazy mistake to not include that because mm-hmm. it's such part of the identity but apparently that wasn't totally true um i mean i was with you there <laughs> yeah but that, that i think that's really interesting like if imagine if another kirby air ride type game came out and didn't have that oh man like it would just be a shame <laughs> be a true shame yeah and the, but thinking of when the developers put it together um did they assume that that was going to be part of the character of it or was it just like an extra thing to to increase some content or whatever like mm-hmm. that's that interests me a lot is the difference between the the developer's intent of like how the game feels versus what people take it as. Yeah. Fortnite, for example, was is a was a game about building a fort, right? And, de- and it was like a tower defense game, yeah. in, in third person shooter mode. That was what that game was, and that's why it's called that. Mm-hmm. And then they added this battle royale mode because it wasn't sell- wasn't selling great yeah. or wasn't doing great. And then most popular game in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it, I think that's super fascinating. Like how flexible are you when you put these things together? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something. So uh, Overwatch has a bunch of modes that they roll out every, like, they're like events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite one is the Halloween event every year because it makes everyone cooperative against AI ah, zombies and stuff that sure, come yeah. at you. And then, like, characters that are dressed up as, you know, in Halloween costumes as, like, Dr. Junkenstein and, like, <laughs> uh, you know. The sorcerer and the witch who brings everyone back and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you only get to pick a f- subset of four characters uh, that the game has already decided for you. So uh, basically, you're just picking a role, like if you're going to be support or the one who goes up and shoots people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always really fun. And everyone's like pretty positive in it. And it's <laughs> like, I don't know. I love it. It's yeah. very fun. It's just. You know, shooting robots. <laughs> well, that's an interesting um, twist on that because, like, it's an extra mode. It's only a timed extra mode, right? So there's not enough to for like a meta to form and for like elite yeah. players. So the the spirit of it is much more in sort of let's get together in the park and throw a frisbee around. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a pickup game. Yeah, yeah. Now that being said, like they did that, they could have extra modes and stuff like that for League of Legends back when I used to play it. Um, and like they had one mode called Earth mode. Earth. Yeah, <laughs> where uh, I think it's altered rapid fire or something like that. Um, and basically, it just made it so like all of your characters, their cooldowns were like 20% of what they normally are and mm-hmm. things like that. So everybody could spam all of their things. Yeah. Um, 
but um, like they kept bringing it back, and eventually people just kept picking the same champions that they deemed the most fun, mm-hmm. and it would be it would almost feel more like a drag to play the game because like people were you know um, exploiting all the the more popular characters. Yeah, I'm um, the more effective characters, and so a meta started forming, and yeah. it became less fun as a result. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I, maybe that will be the case with Overwatch. I hope not. But where like um, they have this Halloween mode keep coming back, and people start like developing strategies. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's cooperative, so it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, and you they like they sometimes change the characters up, but okay. you only there's only four to pick, sure. and only, mm-hmm. everybody can only pick. A different like you all have to be the a different one so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i mean i guess you could be a jerk and take all the kills from everybody yeah mm-hmm. but there's so many coming from so many different directions that it's really hard to take everything ultimately the balance is it has so few moving parts that yeah. it's like almost impossible to exploit it sounds yeah like, like everyone is already playing at maximum capacity yes <laughs> right <laughs> well that's good Huh. Yeah, and a lot of times uh, modes like this that start out as kind of like a lark or sort of a, a, a like a silly uh, um, a twist, much too silly, <laughs> uh, end up turning into their own thing. And then I think what ends up happening is, yeah, you can either have it like it in in uh, in League where mm-hmm. it becomes exploited because they just keep re- using the same sort of you know uh, thing, or yeah. it gets developed further into its own game. Yeah. So um, battle royale games all started as, as modes in other games, right. um, fan mods and stuff like I that. I mean, MOBAs well. did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say MOBAs yeah. yeah, started out as, as a, a fan mod of Warcraft three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's a little different from a developer doing, do that process, but that happens as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, team fortress, um, was a mode for quake. Ah. Um, and that's what brought class based shooters. Oh. And then Team Fortress 2 is the sequel to that. And then so it commercialized it. Huh. And so, um, and I always find that so strange because I played a ton of Team Fortress mm-hmm. when I was younger, yeah. when I was a lot, really young. Yeah. And knowing that Team Fortress 2, the sequel to that thing I played when I was like nine or 10 or yeah. whatever, <laughs> is still a, like an ongoing concern and is so far removed from like my experience of it. Mm-hmm. And then that uh, uh, birth games like Overwatch and other hero shooters. Right. Um, and, and even that sort of idea in games about having like class-based, hero-based types of games. Um, and it all came from something that wasn't really the main mode of something else. I think that's really cool. Um, so you have to think if you're as a designer, like how do you want to create those openings? Can you do it on purpose? Yeah. Can you make a game and then make a side mode that you intend to become what the sequel is based on or yeah. something like that. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think it is possible for you to um, approach an extra mode as like a way to experiment, but not um, fully de- dive into like making a new thing. Yeah. Like I think with city, like with city trial and Kirby air ride, like there's still regular racing, regular air ride mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that like uh, Sakurai, like probably and his team decided that like they wanted to put that in, put a regular racing mode in um, for people who, you know, just wanted to play a kart racer. Um, but, like, added in the city trial as an extra thing for people who wanted more depth, I guess. Okay. More extra stuff. Um, so do you think that was maybe the, um, uh, like, the the mode that they were playing around the office? Like, in, yeah, like I, think, I think that was what Intended it was. For, to be for the people who really love the game? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, think it, I think that's what it was. I, at least it feels like it. Because, yeah, city trial seems like such a bigger part of the thing and it encompasses the regular air ride mode so yeah. like, um, to me it makes it makes sense that like air ride is the approachable one and city trial is the more advanced one mm-hmm. um, so I think that like that's a good way to approach if you want to like experiment with something or like um, 
or you're not confident like that this mode is going to be received well, but you really want to put it in the game anyways, you can have it as a separate mode and then have like the main mode or whatever be another thing. Right, right. Um, yeah. I guess that's kind of what uh, shooters do with like single player and multiplayer modes. Because I feel like I feel like when I if I get a shooter, um, I'm only going to play multiplayer. I don't ever touch the single player. Right. Um, but like you can play the single player to like learn about how to play the game and things like that. Sometimes that's true. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot of cases where like in the, the big franchise uh, games like Call of Duty, um, I think this is less true probably now than it was maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the single player and multiplayer would be developed by separate studios. Oh. And they would have a lot of the same assets, but like sometimes even the mechanics would be slightly different. Yeah. In a way that like you could get a sense of, of multiplayer by playing single player, but you, you couldn't really use it to train. Yeah, like you used to be able to, and it was like literally the exact same, you know, system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that sort of interesting. I wonder. Um, it's been a while since I've played one of those games, so I don't know what the state of that is now. Um, but I do know that the upcoming Call of Duties are going to be uh, this year's and next year's are going to be focused on single player campaigns. Oh. They're going to put a lot of energy into it anyway. Okay, um, which is seems like a bit of a turn. Yeah, um, sort it's of pretty different. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but then a lot of times these things can turn into spinoffs, yeah. right? So like Gwent, the Witcher card game. Oh, that's right. Right? Yeah. Um, that is really interesting. I know when Dale played through Witcher 3, she spent most of her time playing Gwent. Oh. <laughs> and complaining about it. But, but like, Have you seen my Gwent card? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what she said. She's like, Ger- Geralt should just introduce him by saying, hi, you might remember me from my Gwent card. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the thing about Gwent that's so weird is like, uh, not that that character isn't famed in his world, but yeah. like in the universe of The Witcher, there is a card of him that he plays at tournaments. Yeah, <laughs> like, and the people of those tournaments are like, "Oh, that's a good card you just played." Like they don't, <laughs> they don't recognize that. It's the right, same and there are cards of like all of his friends and family. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's this weird meta disconnect. But I think because that in particular. Um, like games like Hearthstone, which is a World of Warcraft spinoff, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of other uh, uh, digital card games tend to be attached to other f- IP. Um, Children's card games. <laughs> we'll decide this the way we decide every problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by playing the card game. Okay, go keep going. Sorry, uh, you can cut that out. It's just me talking. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm clear to continue. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, that seems like a weird use of your development time. Mm-hmm. To have like a totally different game. Yeah. Two games in one. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I, I, maybe that's just the providence of AAA. Like yeah. as, an, as an indie, can because there's, there's some value to it, like having a totally separate experience. Um, and I guess that's the point I, I, I want to make is to not be so cynical about some of these things. Yeah. It's very easy to be like, oh, it was just they have nothing to do with each other, but like they can inform each other in in, in terms of your overall experience. Yeah. Um. And so, but but the Witcher three one is a little strange because mm-hmm. it definitely was. You could tell what their plans were. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're like almost testing the waters in a way. Maybe it's a safe way to do that as well. Yeah, it's a bit conflicting too because like when you're working on an extra mode, that's yeah, that's time spent away from you know the base game. Yeah. Um, and a great example of that is my favorite um, uh, side mode oh. from Smash, oh. Subspace Emissary, ah, yes. which is really the only thing I like about Smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, they spent a lot of time on that mode, and you can tell it shows. Yeah, and like the gameplay is good, mm-hmm. but it's like it was all the cutscenes and like narrative design yeah. that actually was like the huge effort. And I uh, I loved that, and it, that was my first Smash experience. Like as as, a, as a, like I'd, I'd played it. It's the first time I owned a, a copy of Smash was on the Wii, and yeah. Um, and I loved that mode. And then when it came out for Wii U and had 
nothing like mm-hmm. that at all. Right. And nobody cared. <laughs> I was just like, is it just me? Like, I loved that mode. Yeah. And I liked the side scrolly. I liked those mechanics in a side scroller environment. That was really cool, even though it was a little weird. Um, and so um, the world of light from the latest. Right. Yeah. It's a whole. I was hoping it was going to be like Subspace Emissary. I thought it was. Not the case at all. Yeah. It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You've got opinions on that. Yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, I I like the mode. It just felt kind of grindy after a while because yeah. there's just so many fights and a lot of them are the same. Uh, <laughs> so like, eventually it just felt like they just thruff, stuffed a bunch of content into this thing. But yeah. basically like you, you uh, fight against like spirits of previous Nintendo characters and also Metal Gear, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so. never makes sense to me but yeah, it's it's weird um um and uh, you fight as like you fight as like a uh a fight against like a representation of that character um i'm having a hard time coming up oh like i guess one of them is like captain from from uh, animal crossing um you fight against like one of uh the koopalings in in a car because i guess uh captain drives stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um it's a weird way of yeah. bringing these uh, these millions of other side characters into the game right. without actually doing it. Yeah. Which to me, I, it always struck me as kind of strange and kind of like seeing the seams of the, the most process. ambitious crossover <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. video game history. Well, I, so I really, I did, I like, I like that concept and I really liked it because it felt like it was like a, the event mode from previous MASH yeah. games. And um, it was, those, those things were expressed mechanically, which yes. is interesting. Yeah. And that, that was really cool. It's just that like there was just so many fights and they were all started to feel the same. That like it just became a grind to right, finish. right. Um, that, Almost yeah. as if they were assembled programmatically rather than handcrafted. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it felt like that in a, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, I imagine there are so many Nintendo characters that some of them overlap at least. <laughs> <laughs> so there was probably that too, right? Like there's you know Green Mario, for example, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I. I but like they spent a lot of time on that world of light mode, and they spent a lot of time on because there's so many characters in that game mm-hmm. as you could play as, as well as you know fight in the spirits and yeah. stuff. They spent all of their time on that that they had to take out a lot of the older modes that they used to have in every one of them. Like even um, home run contest that has been in the game since Melee, um, right. and that's almost just one. put in almost as tradition. Yeah, like, no one loves that mode. Yeah, I mean people like yeah they like compete in it every once in a while, but like it's always been a side thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like they didn't put that in, and they didn't put like target. Uh, target smash and stuff like that, like old staples that they used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like yeah, there's there's a lot less extra modes in in this new Smash as a result of the, all of the just how big stuff. that one other mode is. Yeah. yeah, so like it can take up a lot of development time. Right, right, um, right. So it's something to consider. I yeah, and, and I suppose I mean I don't know how much Smash suffered for it, but yeah. like it's probably Sakurai probably suffered well for it. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he always does. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, I guess I want to sort of get into, um, like games that you guys are making or thinking of making. Yeah. Um, how, because I, I have thoughts on the games I'm developing and what I would want to do for this, but I want to hear what you guys think and like what you're doing for Fingence, for example. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Fingence, we have a time trial mode already in, Mm -hmm. um, I think Charles and Lane just worked on it because they do that sometimes. (laughs) They'll just work and then like I'll blink and then there's a new mode in the game. I'll be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um. Um, and we, we've been talking about having a boss rush thing in the mo- in the game too, where yeah. you just fight against bosses, um, because uh, code wise it shouldn't be that difficult. We just need UI for it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, well, that's interesting. I think indie developers tend to, and I'm not uh, I'm not guessing w- w- how you guys handled this, sure. 
But I think a lot of times it, it there's a there's two sides to it. There's yeah. a design element, like, oh, we're doing this and then we want to have this play off against it or whatever. And then there's like, oh, we've already got these pieces. We can build this pretty easily. Yeah. And like that's not always a bad motivation. Yeah. Right? It can it can be. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it can lead to inspiration. Um, or it is a, an effective use of your resources yeah. to focus your design thinking that way. Yeah. Um, but it's not always as easy as just be, as just deciding what to do. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Bosphorus, I, I think a lot of it is because like uh in Fingence, the bosses are a core part of the gameplay. Like yeah. you kind of go through the level to get to the boss. You, you know, prevent yeah. yourself from taking damage so you can survive longer against the boss. Um, and so it made sense for the game to add a boss rush mode into mm-hmm. it. Um, so we've been, we haven't added it in yet, but like we've, yeah. we've always been saying we're going to do I'm it. I'm kind of of two minds about that because okay. the, the, a boss rush I think would be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, because the levels in your game are designed as anticipation for the boss, mm-hmm. the game is already kind of a boss rush game. Yeah. Already. Yeah, that's fair. So the question then is, does having a just a boss rush mode distract from of the game entirely mm. in, in a sense? Like, is it just a variation on the same thing or is it truly a different mode? That's a good point I didn't consider. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. have an answer to that, sure. but I think it's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, what, you might end up having players who just prefer the boss rush mode and that becomes the mode of the game that people prefer. Yeah. And then, then it, your your messaging has to either change or adapt, mm-hmm. but and maybe that's a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, maybe that's maybe you want it to sort of go out and then let everyone who plays it decide what it is. Yeah, you know, instead of being so draconian about exactly. Yeah, that. yeah, um, I'm not sure. That's something I hadn't considered before. I'm glad you brought that up, mm-hmm. Martha. Would you? What would you want to put in your in your game? Well, I don't know if there'd be anything in my point and click game, but. Um, we did talk about adding different modes in Clawbreaker. We all right. ultimately decided not to do any of those because we didn't want to do any more development yeah. there. <laughs> but uh, that was an effective use of your resources, and yes. didn't spend any of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we had thought of making like a single player mode where you would fight against an AI crab, mm-hmm. um, or making more crabs so that you'd like fight a bunch of different types of crabs right, in the yeah. single player. Be like you know, like a hermit crab, or like a one of those crabs with the really big claws. Mm-hmm. Uh, Introduce new mechanics, right? Yeah, 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 to make it more interesting to do single player Lee. Um, but ultimately, we decided not to do that because it would have required way too much uh, extra work. Yeah. Um, but like maybe in Clawbreaker too, right. crustacean <laughs> combat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, something like that would be cool. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things you could do with Clawbreaker that would give it, you know, extra depth. I think extra what's interesting points. about Clawbreaker is because what it is now is a very simple one-on-one fighting game. Mm-hmm. If you did do a go for a sequel, it could be anything. Yep. Like there's nothing that it has to be. Like it doesn't even have to include a one-on-one fighting mode. <laughs> like <laughs> it, would, it would be a perfectly com- perfectly serviceable sequel yeah. with a, a totally different concept as long as there were crabs fighting in some capacity. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> very true. Yeah. And I think about that too. Like um, like Mario kind of works that way, where mm-hmm. like the the um, uh, Captain Toad treasure tracker. Oh, right, yeah. Was a mode in Super Mario 3D World, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it became its own game. Yes. And um, a lot of that is because the Mario games are so open to just having brand new mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, like Yoshi uh, uh, is the same deal. Yoshi was just a mechanic that was that 
um, Miyamoto wanted way back in the first Mario Brothers mm-hmm. and then got it into Mario World and then they're like, well, let's make the whole sequel about Yoshi. Yeah. <laughs> and then now Yoshi has a million games. And so, you know, uh, let a, th- you know, a thousand flowers bloom or whatever. Um, and I think that's really interesting. So you almost want to be a little bit, um, to leave enough open-ended thoughts, I suppose. It doesn't really help you when you're making your game now yeah. to think about the 50th game you're going to make, yeah. but like it is fun to imagine, you know, like put a kernel of an idea in there. Uh-huh. And then even if it's not a complete idea, its existence, it can blossom, yeah. right? To, to stretch the metaphor a bit. Yeah. Um, and like it also gives players, a, a, you know, sort of a, they, can, they can imagine too, even if they don't get the experience. It can be, and you don't have the resources to put 10 fully fleshed modes. If you have a couple little extra things, uh-huh. Um, and then, but then there's the argument that that is just a complete waste of time. <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, right. That's how I feel about Widget Satchel because yeah. Widget Satchel, we already, you know, we have the one single player campaign. That's right. all we care about now. Yep, yep. But we have co op planned. And that's definitely, I think that's definitely coming. How soon is the, is the question? Mm-hmm. But then the other thing, and I probably talked about on the show before, is the, the idea I had for a four player competitive mode. Yeah. Which is, compl- it just takes place in the universe of Widget Satchel. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but I keep thinking about it as being important to it in a weird way. Mm. Um, and so the, the, so Widget Satchel's, you know, it's got a lot of, lot to it, but if you haven't heard me talk about it before, it's a 2D platformer. That's all you really need to know. Yeah. Um, but I had this idea for one of the things you do in Widget Satchel is you knock junk all over the place. Um, and I thought it would be really cool to have a game mode where you knock junk into something like it's a, like it's a basketball game or something. Oh. Cause we did talk about how like you would get mischief points if you were able to like knock something far away. Mm-hmm. And we have some of that in the game, but that got me thinking about the, the nature of junk in this space and how that felt a, a core part of what Widget Satchel is, even if it's not expressed explicitly in the mechanics for how well you do in the game. And so it made me think of like, oh, it'd be great if the four human characters was like a two-on-two basketball game <laughs> called yeah. Junk Basket, yeah. where you knock junk into an incinerator. Like, and th- that nothing feels more Widget Satchel to me than that, even though it has the mechanics have nothing to do with what Widget Satchel is. Yeah. And but in my mind, it's like an important part of it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, if if we had a you know a a, de- a larger development team that was getting paid on the regular, <laughs> like it was something, it'd be something I would actually push for an initial release. Um, uh, not just sort of extend it, but to, to give players a fuller view of the world that it takes place in, yeah. I guess. And even though mechanically it's utterly different. And so I think about that and I, 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 I so that, that makes me much more charitable to these weird side projects that just pop up in games that like you don't touch very much. Yeah. Like, why are they even there? Yeah. It's like, so I think that is sometimes the reason that other people do it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That's, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's good. Like it's like a, it's like a additional like, Sort of passion project sort of thing. Yeah. That you're adding into it. And it can be more than just about uh, expressing the mechanics. It can be about the, the world, the characters, the, f- yeah. the feel, right? Yeah. That's what we always talk about when we, talk, we try to teach game design to people. It's like mm-hmm. you don't want someone to like, the goal isn't to get a million points. Yeah. The goal is to feel like a winner. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so uh, the, the how you do that, how you express that mechanically is not always uh, so obvious. Right. And, and sometimes you come at it from side, from different ways. and. Mm-hmm. And you can come out from really different ways, mm-hmm. I guess, with these sort of extra modes. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is Metro Nexus because that's been on the shelf for a long time. Yeah. Um, but the thing about Metro Nexus, I've been developing it for the past couple of years as a multiplayer game and playtesting it that way. Mm-hmm. But it started out as a single player game. And my vision for it is still one to one, half single player, half multiplayer. I yeah. feel like the game cannot, in my mind, it cannot work without both of those mm. having equal prominence. Um, but reality steps in, right? Like how... And I've thought about like how do I do I release it just as a multiplayer game and add a single player later? And if I do that, then haven't I already lost the, yeah. the the battle for what it is? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. But like it, uh, I think the for an indie developer, it it 
does come down to like um, uh, how much uh, ex- how much time you have for your main core experience and how much time you have for experimentation and how important that is to your ultimate vision. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and when do you cut back on what it is and versus what it can be? And I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that extends even to AAA games. They have to consider yeah. this. There's just way more people right, right. to consider it and way more people to work on the thing. Right. If you're just sitting around not doing anything, you can work on an extra mode on the site. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's those are some those are things to consider about it. Like they can add a lot to for the game, both like you know, uh, in the game itself, and also for like the players, they can experience more of it and they can spend more time with the game. Um, but is it necessarily worth the extra resources you have to a lot to add it in? Yeah, like the um, uh, sailing a boat in Assassin's Creed Three. Yeah, was worth the extra time, mm-hmm. even though it was a little different from what you thought of an Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. But adding checkers to Assassin's Creed Three, not a good use of their time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of what I think. Yeah. So the open world games with tons of mini games, I feel um, almost, uh, uh, they, they sort of, for me, they lose on both counts. Yeah. They feel like it's a waste of the player's time. It's a waste of the developer's time. And it doesn't add anything to the sort of like the, 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 the um, feel of the game or like the richness of his experience. It's just more to do. Well, if the feel of well, the game is more to do. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing, and this is just my opinion. Yeah. Like, I think I, I feel like people have reasonable would be reasonably disagree with that. Sure. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. But to me, I feel like that's the the worst way to do these extra modes is just to like dump them all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like playing darts or going bowling or like having like races. You know, like a lot of that just feels like it does feel so extra yeah. in, in in a derogatory sense, I suppose. Martha, you disagree? You're basic. It's a human insult. You're devastated right now. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I mean, like in GTA, there's a bunch of mini game things you can do, yeah, yeah. which like are I think there are some that are like why like arm wrestling. Why is this in here? Mm. But then like racing is pretty fun, and mm. then people have taken that. Like there's some sort of way you can build mods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's these videos that I watch of Achievement Hunter guys trying to, like, use the cars to, like, drive and do these races that are, like, across buildings and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's, like, super cool. Yeah. And and all the extra modes that you play if you're trying to, like, run, do, a, like, a pacifist run mm-hmm. in, yeah. a, a, like, a violent then video game. Then you have things to do to get money <laughs> and you can, like, you can get around yeah. the violent stuff. There you go. And sure. I think... I think with that, maybe what it is, is, and where I get closer to being on board with that kind of stuff, is that it lets the player decide what it is a little bit more yeah. if, the, if the developer is basically not, does not have an opinion <laughs> yeah. on the fact. The racing makes a lot of sense, like the, the things you do with it, because that is closer to the core mechanics of that that's game. That's true, too. that's true. So that's probably a, a better example than, um, than like you know, bowling or darts or whatever. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, because these mini modes tend to like not be great games. Yeah. You know, they they tend to just be there and you sort of put up with it because you're in the middle of an excellent experience otherwise. Um, but then you have some stuff like Spy Fox where mm-hmm. you would play, like we would um, boot that up just to play the Spy Watch games. Yeah. Like there's, like if you pull the Spy Watch up, you could play like, like uh, a ripoff of Asteroids or like mm-hmm. a ripoff of <laughs> um, Little... Uh, it was almost like Vengeance, one of the games oh. that you played. Oh, it was yeah, called, I remember you were talking about yeah, this. It was like the sub little, game. little happy fun sub. Yeah. We, we were a submarine <laughs> and you would go around, but you could also become an airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway. I think that one's an interesting case because like 
uh, the Spy Fox games are educational games, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you could get around that by doing. <laughs> I, yeah, right. it's a common grade schooler technique is to find the <laughs> find the actual just pure fun experience of an educational. That, that wasn't the angle I was going. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Um, I was thinking of it more of like edu- like a history of video games sort of thing. Oh yeah, like that's you true. can learn about. Yeah, I mean, like uh, knockoff asteroids is still asteroids. You can learn about asteroids. <laughs> yeah, as a result of that. Yeah, things like that. Well, uh, putting like a uh, uh, retro arcade style games is a common tactic. Yeah. Uh, Animal Crossing has an NES emulator in That's it. That's right, yeah. Um, Fallout, you can play games on the Pip-Boy, right? Mm-hmm. I've never done that, but I've heard about it. Oh, uh, Into the Woods has uh, a game on her laptop you can play that's like a roguelike, and mm-hmm. it's totally separate. Ah. And then there's the, in Stardew Valley, there's an arcade game where you're, it's like a bullet uh, hell sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, there's also I forgot how many games have yeah. something yeah. like that. And like sometimes I mean sometimes they're just mini games, but sometimes they are they really do feel like separate experiences. Yeah. Um, um Donkey Kong 64 had both the original Donkey Kong like the arcade that had like all of the different levels in it cuz yeah. now the new ones they always release they only have like a few of the levels. Yeah. Um and then they had the uh it had Jetpack cuz that game was developed by Rare and Jetpack is a rare game. Mm-hmm. So it had both of those games in there that was really neat. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So sometimes like the extra mode is 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 not always a mode, it's just extra content. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And not always strictly just a mini game, but like yeah, like an like an older game embedded or some piece of history that can give you more context on the larger experience you're playing. Yeah. So yeah, I guess there's a lot there are definitely lots of angles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do with extra mode. Mm-hmm. Well, because you have all these little things put together, you're going to have to test each one individually. Which brings us to my topic, unit tests. Ah, <laughs> is that what a unit test is? <laughs> I don't... I yeah, think this is going to so, be educational for a lot of people. <laughs> Me <okay>. especially. <laughs> so, um, I, at my job, we have been learning how to do unit tests for all our UI uh, coding and stuff. Um, and I don't know very much about them either. So okay. I am, am learning myself this stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk about it because I'm like, I don't think like very many game devs unit test or know what that is. Um, because automated testing is just, uh, seems less practical, uh, in games than, yeah. than just having someone sit down pl- and play it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because a lot of times you're testing for like, does this feel right? Which you can't really automate that (laughs) unless you have like a feels bot but then even then that doesn't really mean anything (laughs) um uh yeah so what a unit test is is you're like there's all sorts of different automated tests that will run that you can set up to do different things but a unit test is the smallest smallest uh type of test you can do and what you're trying to do is just like test one method or test one part of one method. <laughs> okay. Uh, like the smallest you can get. So you're just testing one thing. Oh. And then when you add all of those tests together, um, you get a full fuller picture of where your problem points are. Sure. Okay. So like, for example, like say you have um, a method that is like, when you press A, you should jump. Yeah. <laughs> Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So how how you would test that is you would write a, a test that would 
run just that method and give it an input of I pressed A, even if you didn't actually, like you don't actually press A, but you tell the method I just pressed A and then see what it does at the end. Okay. And if you have jumped or not. Uh, and a big part of it is of the testing is being able to have conditions that you can actually just read off and did it do it rather than you subjectively looking and seeing if it worked. Yes. Right? Yes. Ah, yes. And so designing that is probably the reason why game developers don't ever do this. Yes. <laughs> it is like really hard to get your head around it, especially because it's very opposite of how a like developer thinks about mm -hmm. writing something because like, so we use a library for JavaScript. I think it's called Jasmine at my job. And, um, basically you, and this is, this is true for any test. So because you only want to test this one little part, you have to, if it calls anything else, you have to make a mock of it or a, a uh, like basically a fake version of that, uh, those other calls to, to feed it back. So it's not actually touching any of the other code. So like, say you have something in your um, jump thing that uh, changes the color of your character also, but you only wanted to check if they jumped, not at what color it was. So when it calls, what color am I method, um, you would give that a fake, You at the top of your test file, you define a fake one that okay. would give it, would return the method is expecting it to return. Okay. It eliminates, I mean, literally eliminates other variables. Yes, exactly. Sure, yeah, yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little confusing. Uh, I mean, yeah, um, I, I guess I'm having a hard time when would you do this? Okay, I, I have a pretty good example of when yeah. this might work because I, I thought about this a lot when we were doing widgets at sure. but we could never figure out a, a testing method to make this happen. Yeah, and it is related to jumping. Okay, so in widgets at uh, how heavy your satchel is dependent uh, changes how high you can jump, and yeah. the way we do this, um, this is a system that that Stephen you designed, mm. is that uh, we give it a certain impulse, right? Or you, you f we feed it numbers as to how high the jump should be, right? And then we calculate what impulse we need to get that high. Yeah. If, if I'm describing it correctly. That's pretty this accurate, is, yeah. yeah. Um, now, the, the thing we didn't do was determine how, if you just from a straight jump, how far the spro sprocket can jump. Right. Because that is a function of gravity and speed and how, and how long you are in the air. Mm -hmm. And so, naturally, the faster you are, as you get uh, heavier, you go slower and jump lower. So, you will also, as just a result of that, don't jump as far. Yeah. And so what we did is we just like played it a bunch and then like, that's about as far as it goes. So we were t deciding like how far to move a uh, 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 gaps apart right, yeah. to, for jumps at different weights. Um, we did that a lot just by checking it out. I desperately wanted to come up with a system where we would actually be able to test to see how far Sprocket actually jumped ah. at those different things. Yeah. And we would do that not by uh, calculating it in the method, mm -hmm. but by... Uh, giving it something we expect to happen and seeing if it does or doesn't reach that point. And then we would run that until we found it, until until it narrowed in on the result that it did do yeah. and then said yes or no to that. And as far as I understand, that's basically a unit test. Um, but we could never, I could never, I didn't, I didn't like make a lot of noise about this, but sure. I really wanted to do it, but I, I knew it would just take forever yeah. to figure out when it would just be faster to just eyeball it. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. But that is an example where you would do that, especially for games that, have, that, that are like mechanically rigid yeah. and have lots of rules that sure. need to be followed. We could get away with it. But other games that, that maybe are more, need more expected behavior, 
would have would maybe benefit more from putting in the time to do sure. that. Sure. So yeah, uh, Andy and Scott when they were contracted uh, to work on Treasure Stack, they mm-hmm. added in a unit testing scene in Unity for for Treasure Stack, um, and I, they used it to like you know because when I was working on it, I thought that it was relatively bug fixed or free. <laughs> Is is bug free? You say that as someone who's since learned better, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, But uh, when Annie and Scott were working on it, they were working on implementing the networking and stuff. So like they had to change a lot of the code in order to get to work. So they built a um, they built a separate scene for unit testing. So they would test to see like uh, how the blocks would uh, react in this scenario, in this scenario, in this scenario, and stuff like that. Um, Oh yeah, like if there's latency between. The things like what happens, or like if mm-hmm. you know the other player does this, does that affect? Yeah, stuff things like, like that? that. Yeah, and that's it, a much more traditional software development task. Yeah, that more obviously benefits from a testing right uh, configuration. And both of those two are classically trained. They went to school for this, so <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense they could uh, they thought of that and were able to implement mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I'm like. I, I can see that I see that I can see the case where it's useful. Like I can see the case where it was useful in Treasure Stack, and I can see the case where it was could be useful in Widget Satchel, um, and in more, uh, yeah, especially in more like rule based. This needs to happen when this happens, kinds of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I just haven't developed, yeah, a game other than Treasure Stack uh, for that that yeah. need that. So I, I haven't really felt. Like you know, I it's interesting because I think Fingence would benefit from a lot more certainty about what happens when. Oh. Right? I mean, yeah, you have, there's absolutely. so many moving parts and flying bullets in that game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but I guess the, the thing is, is you don't, you don't need to do it. It's a different way of working mm-hmm. in some cases. There are some scenarios, I, I think, Martha, you would probably agree, where this is something where it's, a, it's a, just a clear benefit to, building, to knowing how this works and building it. And then there's some where you just have to make a judgment call as to whether it's worth the effort, right? Yes. Yeah, because I think, well, I was looking through Unity documentation specifically which that's your first mistake (laughs) yeah i know i know it's not mobile friendly either hey unity hey unity some people look at the documentation on their phone just saying um uh anyway and yeah like it is dense reading reading about the unity test suite uh because yeah not only do you have to learn how to do it in unity you also have to learn the library the dot net library that they're using Mm -hmm. to do the test oh um, so I can see how this is like a big, bigger hurdle for game devs, especially using Unity, than it is for a software company doing stuff in JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> if your game is in JavaScript, uh, it's a lot easier because there's a ton more libraries and you don't have to be fighting the engine all the time. Like, that's the one thing that we, like, as I've been learning this at work, it's been difficult to be like, okay. So where am I testing the code I wrote and where am I accidentally testing the library that I'm importing? Because really I want to be just testing the stuff I wrote because Mm -hmm. if the library breaks, that's their problem uh, and our problem to send in a support ticket for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, I guess it would, it doesn't matter really because if the library breaks, it'd be good to know that. But like, what am I trying to say? Yes, it's a really big hurdle to do. I think if you had planned it in in the beginning uh, and knew how to do all of it, uh, it might be really useful because like, if you're adding, adding an extra mode or you're changing the code to be yeah. multiplayer or whatever, yeah. um, that's, where these, that's where these tests come in the most useful. Like When you're writing the thing, it's like, okay, yeah, I know it's going to jump like 
I can see it. It did the thing. Why yeah. am I even, this is a lot of wa- extra wasted time. Yeah. But if you do something that changes something else that that method calls and then suddenly, you know, like. Like it breaks it, and why? It breaks and you're like, why? Yeah. What, like you can run the test so you can be like, oh, it's failing here and here because, you know, what it's getting like passed in is like, mm-hmm. you know, you, if you run all the tests together, that's where the value comes in. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's something where, um, and this is where like I have no knowledge whatsoever, is you know about like the libraries, there's sort of a sweet bunch of tools. And that's the reason why I think a lot of us don't do these things is because we don't have or know the tools. You can write your own from your own, you know, come up with your own ideas to make it work. It's a, Unit testing isn't necessarily something you need a tool for, but it's something you yeah. definitely want one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the one we use at work makes it all very, like if you speak English anyway, English language friendly where it's like when... If something happens when this is something, this is like this, expect this to happen. Ah. So it's all like very word. It's not the math, it's words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which I can't say right now. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so having, and I think the one uh, that Unity uses built in, there's lots of like plugins that, like from the asset store that can help you too. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, it's called NUnit, N- standing for like dot yet dot net unit test. Okay. Um, they have got a pretty intuitive syntax anyway on on uh, building your tests. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one of the benefits uh, or one of the ways to see the value of of, a, of unit testing yeah. is to familiarize yourself with a tool like that. Yeah. The the terminology, the the language to describe that your tasks and and pieces and, sure, and, yeah. and, and and things you do. Then you can sort of understand the a workflow mm-hmm. and then it doesn't seem so alien perhaps. Yeah. I think that would probably help. Like I just haven't done it. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to I mean, I guess this is the same with a lot of coding things. Well, that's the thing. I, I also don't have this background. So, yeah. like, uh, I'm only saying this because it's true of other things. Oh, well, yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. When like, something seems so foreign and alien and why, yeah. but other people swear by it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just like, oh, is, if I just, I don't know, f- read what other people use, even though, if I, even though I know I'm not going to use it, mm-hmm. like right now, or yeah. it's, then I'll at least have an understanding so that when I do need it, I can come back to it. Right. Without, from a better place. Well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of like coding things that I just, uh, originally when I hear about them, I'm like, why would I ever need to use this? And then I can come up with plenty of reasons after like I've, I've, you know, have. uh, Once you know what it is. Well, yeah. Once I know what it is and once I've had enough experience uh, with things that are not that I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) So I could potentially learn with unit testing as well. It's a lot of these different sort of sideways topics that you don't come to naturally if you don't have a computer science background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can feel like a, you know, you slap your forehead like, oh, of course, right? Yeah, I'm just, I mean, as I said before, I'm just learning this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So it's been a real mind trip being like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I, I guess that makes sense. Oh, this is like, this is way easier than I thought it was or whatever. Um, I found an example of the ones Unity uses and it's, yeah, it's pretty um, English language friendly mm-hmm. it's like when executed return success while a utility is running return null assert that this is true okay stuff like that yeah we're nodding over here because we totally get what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's hard to sh- it's hard to talk about this in an audio format because yeah. <laughs> it's so much like look at this thing you can't look at it well i, I think it'd be nice if we can get a couple of links to maybe some explainer articles we could just throw maybe one or two at least yes and then uh, definitely link to the the unity stuff because i think not a lot of people know where to find those things 
Um, and then the, some of the tools you used um, to get familiar with with what brought you into it. Yeah, I definitely will link all those in the show notes. Um, one thing that I was so my dad was a, a software tester, like uh, for his job before I retired, and he got me this book called Testing Computer Software Second Edition. And I haven't read the f- whole thing yet, but I, it's been super interesting reading about it. Um, just like, and helping me get in the mindset to write these tests at work. Um, and I was learning something really interesting in one of the first chapters that is helpful, even if you're not writing unit tests, mm-hmm. because like, so if you're gonna, there's these things called like testing boundaries mm-hmm. where you want to test instead of testing all the numbers one through 99, if you're like looking to see if someone input the right thing or whatever you just test at the edges of these uh, um, test cases so like you were like okay does it work with single numbers does it work with numbers and with two digits does it work with decimal numbers so you just test right where those categories change yeah instead of all the numbers (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like if you're play testing something or you're just like testing to make sure something worked in the editor or whatever like don't try all the things, just try things that would, would be right at the edge of what you're expecting. Right. And hopefully, if, if you are testing something small enough where there's no variables that pop up in between. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or different conditions, then yeah, then you can you complete your test a lot sooner. Yes. Like optimizing what you test for. And the other, the other good thing that they said in this book was that you'll, there's no such thing as 100% tested code. Like you'll always have bugs and there will always be parts that you don't know. So like if you hear of anybody saying that our code is 100% tested and you're like, mm, that's BS. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like if this is something that sounds way too complicated for you or whatever, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's something interesting to, to look into, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Something to, something to consider. Yeah. I think the, the trickiest part for game developers is is the knowing when to use it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which is more than you are now, probably, right? Uh, for all of us. Yeah. But uh, where, is that, where is that limit? You know, when does it become uh, too much? And that's true of a lot of other topics, of course. That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there. So leave a review and tell all your friends, too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. And talk to Dale. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, Dale is now our Twitter manager. Yeah. Uh, and it's, she's doing a great job already. <laughs> she took up the task with more gusto than maybe we're super comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, but, before the show, she was taking pictures of us like fake recording. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the benefit is that you... Real just, recording. You, Don't yes. ruin the magic, <laughs> right. Stephen. Of course. We're always recording. Um, but you can expect now some tweets from us. Yeah. Which is better than any of us had managed up to now. So... Yeah. Yes, it'll be great. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. She also made a, um, she also made a thing. Uh, was it? Uh, feedback Friday. Yeah, she had this idea that um, we've been trying to get people to give us feedback on mm. the feedback form. Where can they find that? <laughs> Nicegames.club slash feedback. That's right. And um, we bang that drum and laugh the whole way because yeah. it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to get people to commit to giving us their thoughts. I have to say, the people who have, like, thank you so much. Yes. Like, yeah. It's been really valuable to hear those things. Uh, one, it's nice to hear we're doing well. Mm-hmm. And also, it's nice to hear, like, what you want to hear more of and maybe what you want to hear a little less of. <laughs> um, we want to hear that stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but no, but Dale knows that we talk about how we always want to try to get more feedback. And that's, uh, as game developers, it's a huge thing that matters to us. 
And so she's like, well, let's do a thing, Feedback Friday. So yeah. um, she's going to be trying to promote that. So when you see those tweets from us, or even when you just know it's Friday, uh, go ahead and tweet with that, hashtag uh, Feedback Friday. Show off something you're designing, uh, uh, like uh, an A-B test of two different uh, uh, illustrations, or a piece of code that you can say, hey, is this, do you think this will do the job? Like, Or a video that says, what do you think of the feel of this? Or you know, anything. Like, mm-hmm. we, want, we want to hear how we're doing uh, whatever you're making. Um, and, uh, sometimes the people around you can't give you a lot of time to give you all the feedback you need. And a lot of times you certainly can't, uh, pay for uh, a lot of QA testing. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes just a casual, just a ex- little extra effort on, on Twitter and all the, hopefully we can all engage with each other and even better see the cool stuff you're making. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So look forward to all that. It'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. Follow us on this journey. <laughs> um, you can also email us at contact at nicegames.club lastly you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts as well as get all of the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club so until we start again remember to play nice and make nice Documentation, please load. (laughs) Unity, you're the worst. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.